Welcome to the show. I'm Shane Norton, a.k.a. The Sports Card Nobody, and this is another episode of the Sports Card Nobody podcast. And ladies and gentlemen, I once again have to thank you for your patience as I was unable to get a show out last week because as you might be able to tell by my voice, I have been dealing with yet another knock to my health. Um, a few weeks back, my daughter was uh, sick. You know, as, as kids do, they get sick. And sure enough, it somehow made its way to the rest of the, the, the household. And I got sick pretty badly. Not COVID this time around. No, we think this was um, RSV is what, what knocked us out of commission. But I have been in a bad way all last week. I have not been able to do a whole lot. I finally started to get back on my feet this weekend and was able to actually do a little bit of a recording yesterday, something I will talk about a little bit later today, but I am able to get back on the horn today. I am able to start to think about this hobby, this thing that we do, think about sports and all of the passions that I have. Uh, so here I am. Thank you so much as always for you know allowing me to uh, to miss episodes here and there. I really hate doing that. It, it is something I try to do. I try very hard to put these out every single week, regardless of what is happening. But I was not able to do that last week, and I really appreciate your guys' patience with me on that. Um, all right. With that said, there are some things I am pretty excited to talk about. I guess maybe excited is not the word. My main topic today is going to pertain actually to to um, my illness and some of the, of the things that I've been going through these last several months. Um, you know, this is a hobby. This is this is something that we do: sports card collecting, uh, whatever you collect, Marvel cards, uh, wrestling cards, trading card games, Magic, Pokemon, whatever it might be. If you're listening to me, you're you are a collector. Most likely, you are a wrestling collector. That is the audience that I have managed to sort of grow the most. Um, so you you know what I'm talking about, and the fact that this hobby is something we do to uh, pass our time for the most part. There are people out there that collect for financial reasons, specifically and exclusively. But that's not really the type of audience that I speak to. For the most part, I speak to collectors. And my collectors out there will know what I mean when I say that we do this because it is something that means a lot to us. It's something that helps express who we are. And it is something that matters um, for mental health. And that is going to be the main topic I'm going to get to a little bit later is the importance of mental health and balancing that with this hobby. And it's something that actually is going to mean a lot to me to share to talk about with you, with this audience, um, because I've been dealing with it. I've been in it with a lot of the things that I've been dealing with with my health lately. But before I get to that lowly subject, uh, there are some fun things I want to talk about. Sports are, wow, man, sports are something. <laughs> uh, the Dodgers, 111 games they won this year. They had one of the greatest run differentials in the history of baseball in terms of modern baseball. I've talked about this before. There has been never a team that we've seen that has had the success that the Los Angeles Dodgers had in 2022. Well, Choketober is upon us, and that is exactly what happened in 
round one for them. The NLDS against the San Diego Padres. The Dodgers managed to win but one game. And they were out in five. And I was sad. I was bummed. My heart was broken. I could not believe that all of my worst fears were met. I had questioned all offseason and questioned all regular season whether they had the offense that was actually going to show up in the playoffs and hit in the clutch when they needed to. At some point, they went something like 0 for 20 with runners in scoring position. And they were out before you knew it. So the hopes and the dreams of some sort of a legendary type season are flushed down the toilet. And that's a wrap. The Dodgers are done. <sighs> On the other side of the coin, though, there is some really exciting things cooking in the baseball playoffs. Um on the National League side, the Philadelphia Phillies are on a run for the ages. They just finished off a, I think, a five-game win against the Padres, the, the same team that just knocked us out. Um, the Phillies won, I think, four games, 2-1. They dominated that series. But really, Bryce Harper's coming out party is upon us. Bryce Harper has won two most valuable player awards. He was rookie of the year. Came into baseball as one of the most hyped prospects ever. Looked at as one of the guys that was going to transform the game. Has had a lot of ups and downs in his career. Has earlier been looked at as somebody who's failed in October. He got a huge contract to go to Philly back in 2019. I think it was when he signed it. Something like a 10 or 13 year contract. Whatever it was. And he didn't quite perform his first year there. They hadn't sniffed the playoffs and barely got to the playoffs this year, even winning just something like 90 games. They were the final wild card team in, and now they are the first six seed ever to reach the World Series. And the dude is crushing. He won national, I'm sorry, he won the NLCS MVP, had a monster two-run home run to put the Phillies ahead. In the, in the clinching game against the Padres, against, uh, I think, Suarez, one of the relievers out of San Diego that dominated the Dodgers and was dominating throughout the postseason. But um, it looks like this is it, man. It looks like Bryce Harper is, is going to reach a more prominent level of his legend if he can continue this. There's one thing to win two MVPs, but there's a whole different ball game out there when you can show up in October and few people have shown up in the way that he has here in 2022. Now on the flip side, kind of the opposite. Aaron Judge just wrapped up a 62 home run season, was competing for the Triple Crown, having a what was considered one of the greatest offensive seasons of all time. Probably going to win the MVP, although it should be close between him and Shohei Otani. Although I would give the edge to judge myself. Nonetheless, in October, it was rough. Yes, they got past the Cleveland Guardians. In the uh, ALDS, it took five games, but they were able to get through the Guardians, but then got swept by the Houston Astros. Meanwhile, Judge's strikeouts were raking up. He's getting booed in Yankee Stadium. Granted, I think every single person wearing pinstripes was getting booed in Yankee Stadium with the way the uh, postseason unraveled for them. But it's a little bit different when you're talking about someone like Aaron Judge who just had the season that I talked about. And meanwhile, 
He's got a little bit of a free agency right around the corner this this offseason. Where is he going to end up? Uh, do you go back to the crowd that could not be happy enough with 62 home runs? You know, I don't think that really factors in when it's all said and done. I think the contract and the money is going to be what matters. It's going to be very, very interesting to see where he ends up. But on the card side of this, it's exciting because I imagine Bryce Harper's cards are going to be going up. Bryce Harper's cards are going to be in for um, uh, really sought after with the performance that he's been putting on. But meanwhile, on the flip side, Judge is probably going to start cooling off. He's out of the playoffs now. The home run record, if that's what you want to call it, the AL record, is no longer relevant. I'm sure that his cards will stabilize. I'm sure that they've uh, seen a new floor that they will probably not go below for quite some time, barring some more um, disappointment out of him. But nonetheless... Um, now that he's out of the playoffs, the World Series is is a, is a still a pipe dream. We're probably going to see his card start to coming down. We're going to see some of that fervor start to cool off. Um, on the Houston side of things, though, the Houston Astros are looking like world beaters, which is you know pretty brutal to my heart. The team that cheated the Los Angeles Dodgers out of that 2017 World Series are back in. The championship race once again, and they haven't lost a single postseason game on their way to the fall classic. I don't know. To be honest, I don't know how the Phillies are going to compete with them. But then again, the Phillies shouldn't have competed with anybody they've been against. Uh, the Cardinals should have knocked them out in that world, that uh, wild card round. Somehow, some way, they they beat them, and then went on to beat the 100-plus win Braves and then beat the Padres, and here they are in the World Series against the mighty, mighty Houston Astros. Listen, if you're a betting man, Houston's the team you want to put your money on. They're going to have home field advantage. They've got pitching galore, pitching that should, should start to nullify what Bryce Harper has done. But sometimes, man, teams get hot, players get hot, and different levels are reached and it really looks like Bryce Harper might be on one of those levels we are going to find out I can't wait to find out even though the Dodgers are out I'm pretty excited to see what Bryce can do um I've been trying to chase down one of his rookie cards for a long time but I've been a little bit cheap I may have missed the boat because uh if they pull this off I don't think his cards are coming back down any time soon but that's the beauty of baseball. That's the beauty of sports. That is the beauty of collecting cards. It is a hard thing to do to collect cards of players that are that you like when they, you know, bring out that excitement. You know, it's when you want to buy the cards, but nonetheless, it's the worst time to buy them. It is fun to look at at uh, you know Bryce Harper cards right now because he's mashing home runs and he's swearing on the field and the, getting the crowd all pumped up and it's hard not to get swept up into that that hype. But the prices, of course, are going to follow. So, you know, this is not an advice show. Not a good time to buy, though. Probably, probably want to hold off. If you're a collector like I am, you can probably wait another month or so, and you can maybe finally get your hands on a Bryce Harper card like I would still like to. We will see. But, uh, all right, let's flip over to football. Let's flip over to the National Football League. You all know I am a huge 49ers fan. And some massive news came out of San Francisco in that they acquired for, I don't know, four draft picks, whatever it was, one of the most dynamic running backs in football in Christian McCaffrey. You all know I'm a huge CMC fan. 
I have had a lot of fantasy football success because of him in the past. He was actually um, one of the early cards that I bought because of my like semi-set collecting. I was trying to chase down the MVPs of the fantasy football uh, championships that I had won. So I can share here, if you on YouTube, you're going to see this. Uh, I have this Panini Origins number to 25 rookie auto of CMC. I love this card. This card is amazing. It pops. The Origins uh, design is one of my favorites of all time, right up there with things like Inception. Just a, a gorgeous, gorgeous card. So, yeah, pretty stoked to find out that he was coming to the 49ers. But, of course... That's with my heart and, you know, my my hypeness of sports. But at the same time, I couldn't help but wonder. It's weird. We still really need a quarterback out there in San Francisco. Uh, Jimmy Garoppolo is still the QB, guys. I don't I don't really know what uh, what you expect to happen. Uh, we could have George Kittle. We could have Debo Samuel, one of the most dynamic wide receivers. We have Yushchek, uh, who's probably the best fullback in football. And now we've got one of the most dynamic, versatile backs in the game as well. Still got a dude who's going to overthrow and underthrow everybody on every single play. And sure enough, on Sunday, CMC made his debut, and it was brutal. He was good. CMC did what he does. Uh, but uh, the Kansas City Chiefs went ahead and beat the brakes off the 49ers, which is kind of what i was probably expecting you know i don't know it's tough how do you, and the chiefs are still one of the best teams in football and as great as the 49ers defense is i still don't think they can run with the chiefs uh meanwhile you're throwing hail marys from the five yard line out of jimmy g and getting picked off not gonna go ahead and do your defense a whole lot of favors but pretty exciting news at least i have something to root for i've got a couple players on the 49ers to root for which is fun and some you know having the rookie card of a guy like that is is pretty awesome especially since i got it a while ago and i don't have to worry about that brand new trade hype uh jacking prices up so still stoked to have that card and stoked to uh to be a cmc fan and get to root for him on my own team uh basketball the Lakers are now 0-3. It has been tough. Russell Westbrook is as bad as advertised, but uh, um, it's nice to have the NBA back. It's nice seeing guys like John Morant out there. Still looks like he's got trampolines for legs. God, I hope that kid can stay healthy. I still have a couple of his rookie cards. One of my favorite players and athletes to watch across any sport uh, today. I'd love to get some more Jaw stuff at some point, although I have really scaled back my basketball collecting as it is. Uh, but I really am always stoked to have the NBA back, even if the Lakers are going to continue to be bunk. And boy, does it look like they're going to continue to be bunk. Uh, I don't know. Do you just bench Russ at this point? You can't trade him. I, I, I don't know. He keeps getting benched late in games. Does he even put him in the lineup? I don't know what you do. I am not an NBA coach. All I know is it's hard to watch those games. It's fun to watch LeBron, though. LeBron still, I think he put up 31 the other day, even though he missed a game-winning shot against, uh, I think it was against the Blazers. I think uh, it was the third game that they had lost, but whatever. What are you going to do? Um, all right, so that's really, let's catch up on sports and you know how it pertains to some sports cards, but um, I want to get into... I want to get into some of the, the the main topic and also my top five today is going to be kind of a fun one. I'm, I'm kind of digging the top five that I've got. In light of me being sick, in light of me missing last week, I thought it would be fun 
to actually count down the top five injured, oop, excuse me, injured slash um, sick performances ever in sports. Well, however you call that, top five gutsiest performances ever, top five dumbest performances ever, whatever you want to call it. Basically, I'm going to count down some of the top five uh, athletes that have ever shown up hurt, sick, and still get the job done. Um, but uh, the first thing I want to do is actually kind of talk a little bit about the main topic. It's uh, a big topic. I'm going to do that, and I'll finish off with the top five to finish off with a little bit more fun. Um yeah, I think that's the way I want to do it this week. It's my show. That's the order I want to do. <laughs> um, all right. So this is going to be a little bit of a vulnerable topic for me. This is going to be something uh, that I, I hope you can find some connection to in, in the sports card world, in the collecting world, but it has broader implications. And that really is mental health. I've, I've teased it already throughout the show a little bit, but this is pretty important and it's important to me. Uh, again, you know, in light of things that I've dealt with, um, and I'm not trying to be woe is me. And almost never when somebody's talking about mental health and talking about, you know, where they're at in their headspace, are they being woe is me? So that's important to to note. But um, to give a little bit of a rundown about things that have kind of gone down, um, back in July, my family got hit with COVID and it was tough. And, you know, we were all hunkered down doing our thing and, and it hit us pretty hard and it hit me especially hard for whatever reason. It seems like I get more sick than the others. And I will take that. I'll take that more than my wife dealing with it and my kids and all those sorts of things. But nonetheless, I got, I got pretty awfully sick and missed a lot of work, missed uh, an episode of the show here and, you know, life, life stopped for a while, got through that. Got through that in July, and then, I don't know, maybe a month later, maybe in August, I was in the middle of, you know, really good workout routine, doing my classes that I do on Tuesdays and Thursdays, and I hurt my back pretty bad. I hurt my back to a point that I needed to get a injection. I needed my wife to help bring me to the walk-in and missed some more work because of that, and it was tough. It was another tough you know, four days, whatever it was before I was back on my feet and even longer than that before I felt like I was actually back to 100%. And then fast forward to not that long ago, you are all well aware. I, I had um, an evening where I had some friends over and I woke up the next day with my eye pretty badly hurting. And then later that evening, it was reaching levels that I couldn't even sleep. And turns out I had a very severe eye infection. This eye infection was a little scary. I wasn't sure, quite frankly, if I was going to see properly out of that right eye again. Um, my doctor who took care of me throughout the the um, scenario there also seemed to intimate that she wasn't quite sure how, how bad that was going to get. Um, and that knocked me out for a little a week plus or whatever that was. Um, and I've actually still like just today had another appointment where I'm kind of finally wrapping that up and getting back to full normal life with my eye. And then the RSV hit the house and I got sick again, another week missing work, another week just being unable to be me, being unable to be a dad, being unable to be a husband, being unable to be a friend. Um, 
you know, I sat on my couch here in my office trying to stay away from my family, trying to stay out of, you know, not sharing the bed with my wife so I'm not coughing all night and keeping her up and making things harder on her who now has to take care of the kids pretty much by herself and also try to do what she can take care of her sick husband who's got to go to the walk-in by himself now and, and, and get whatever the medications, all the, the different things I had to get, including an inhaler. Um, it was tough. It was tough. And, and it really even started to add a lot of stress to both me and my wife. You know, this sort of, you know, you're trying to balance all of, all of the responsibilities that, the, that a home needs, including taking care of the kids and the household and the dishes and the groceries and the dog and everything that comes with it, right? And I, I couldn't be that partner. I couldn't be that person that I am supposed to be. So when you start to sort of add all this up, right, these last several months since July, since this summer, I've hit a lot of uh, moments where I've just been stuck on my couch, unable to be myself, unable to be the husband, unable to be the father, unable to be the colleague at work. You know, I take my, my responsibilities at work very, very seriously. You know, I, it's important to me that those that rely on me can rely on me, that they can look to me as someone that they consider a, a legitimate teammate. And that just has not felt like it has been the case for me since July. And it started to really weigh on me. It started to feel heavy. It started to feel insanely stressful that it seemed like no matter what I was doing, I kept running into some sort of a wall that was just knocking me down. And it was just mentally tiring. Now, I'm going to go a little bit deeper here and again, a little bit more vulnerable. So please bear with me or not. You know, maybe this stuff doesn't pertain to you and that's fine, you know. Uh, but I am hoping that this will resonate with someone. But, you know, on top of all this, I've always struggled with, with just general mental health as a whole, you know, I, ever since I've been a child, you know, growing up with different issues and different problems that I won't, you know, bother you here with, but, um, you know, legitimately depression and a general state of trying to be happy has been difficult for me for pretty much ever. And so I'm, I'm sitting here and I'm, I'm struggling with my illness. I'm struggling with the, the stress that it's bringing on and I'm struggling with my own sense of being a man, you know, however you define that. And I'm not the type of person who's going to sit here and, and, and preach toxic masculinity type things. I don't believe in sort of the standard be a man type attitude. You know, I, I, I believe that things are way more complex than that. Things are way more black and white. Um, but nonetheless, as you're trying to be whatever version of a man, of an adult, of a person that you're trying to be and feeling completely helpless and feeling just like a failure with things that are almost beyond your control, you know, maybe I should have worn a, a mask or, you know, maybe I should have done something a little bit different when my kids were first getting sick and there's some way I could have avoided it. I, I don't know. But these thoughts kind of start to take over and start to drag you down and really start to pull you to places that you don't want to be. And that's tough. It's, it really is. It's, it's a hard thing to deal with on a day-to-day -day basis. 
And for different people, there's different levels of this. You know, there's different levels of things that can put you in that headspace. There's different levels of of um, hurdles that can really start to add that weight and, and sort of compound on your chest and just feel like it's on your shoulders and you're just in the middle of the ocean just struggling to keep your head above and you're just being dragged under the currents and under the waves and looking up and all you can see is the the light shimmering through the the surface of that ocean as you just sink deeper and deeper and you just feel like that blackness is just sort of enveloping you you know again i'm really not trying to get dark here i'm really not trying to be woe is me and i'm really not trying to sort of drag down this show or turn it into something that it's not because i promise you this will relate to sports cards in some form or fashion but this is real you know, this is something that me, Shane Norton, a.k.a. the sports car nobody, is dealing with. Um, and I'm sure that other people like um, out there are dealing with this as well in, in their own ways. So, you know, all this kind of got me thinking as I was trying to figure out this show and what I was going to talk about. And it kind of got me, you know, wondering about the, the point of this show as a whole, the point of the show specifically tonight. And... What I want to stress, something that's important to me, is this never-ending search for fulfillment, this never-ending search for whatever you want to define happiness as. It's, it's Again, it's something I've struggled with my entire life. Without question, if you were to talk to anybody who's, you know, an actual certified, licensed therapist, Rob Gerard, sports car therapist, can probably attest to this, but... It's not that hard to figure out why someone like me has sort of found obsessions that I sort of wrap myself in pretty, um, you know, pretty deeply, you know, whether it's collecting comic books when I was a child or collecting the hot toys, you know, years ago, collecting cards now, um, jujitsu, uh, paintball years ago, uh, sneakers all of a sudden at some point started to creep in magic cards i mean the the way that i can dive into an obsession is driven by this sort of like idea that maybe this is something to fill my time with and pass my time with and find true enjoyment out of and that's really what collecting is for me it's something a little bit deeper than just collecting cards it's a little bit deeper than just trying to flip and make a couple bucks or whatever it might be. You know, I, I say this all the time and I'm going to continue to say it all the time, but this is an expression of myself. This is a way for me to tell my story with my cards. This is a way for me to um, keep myself occupied, keep my brain active, keep my, um, my sort of mental acuity as sharp as possible. These are ways that I combat my own mental health concerns. You know, I have the obvious. I have an amazing wife. I have one of the best wives that exists. I mean, she is caring. She's loving. She is supportive. She is, I mean, she is great. I've got two kids that are awesome. I've got two kids that are hilarious and I mean, they, my daughter cracks me up every single day. You know, I'm sure everybody says that about their kids. And there's nothing unique about me. My kid's hilarious. I think she's the funniest kid that has ever existed. Meanwhile, my, 
my son's a nut. He's running around all the time and he, he's, he's such a fun handful. I mean, these things genuinely help me get through my major mental health hurdles. And then I've got my friends. I have such amazing friends and fan bases or friend bases that have existed since even way back as far as high school at this point. I've been a lucky person who's made incredible bonds all those years ago. You know, I graduated high school in 2001. We're talking 20 years ago. And I've still got friendships that mean the world to me. I have these rocks. I have these um, these buoys that I can turn to. So when I am sinking in that ocean and it does feel like that the sun is fading and the, and the blackness is enveloping me, there are these buoys, these bright red buoys that I can look to that do genuinely help me through my everyday. But on a smaller level, that is exactly what my hobbies are. And I hope on some level that a you're not you don't have to deal with mental health issues although most of us do so this is probably something that can pertain to you but hopefully you are someone that is way more able to get through your day-to-day without these sorts of struggles amazing that's amazing if so but hopefully that you you do have other buoys in your life that you can turn to whether it's the cards or sewing, I don't know, maybe it's watercolors, maybe it's ceramics, whatever it is, something that you can cling to, that you can use as a tool to help yourself concentrate on this thing. You know, I can sit down and I can browse through eBay and start to try to plot out whatever my next purchase is going to be and figuring out the best way to make that deal so that I can uh, come away feeling like I got some sort of a win. You know, uh, I spent 50% on that car versus what it was going for. And, you know, there it is. And, and that whole process, that entire process of finding something, curating it, adding it to your collection, admiring it, taking photos of it, sharing it, Maybe even then on the flip side, selling it and getting it back out to other collectors and rinse and repeat. All of this is like a really, really important mental exercise for me. It is a, a, uh, a workout that helps me feel fulfilled in this very short time that we have on this planet. I'm 40 years old in March. Time is coming fast for every single one of us. I remember graduating high school like it was yesterday. I remember collecting comic books as a kid as if it was a week ago. You know, time comes. It just does. So how do we fill this time is, what's, is what matters. And of course, I've already touched on it. There's the things that genuinely matter. But then there's all these little other pockets of time that are very important as well. And that's what this has become for me, sitting down, doing this podcast right now, talking about these things in ways that I honestly very, very rarely ever have. And I'm sitting out here spewing into a microphone to a bunch of strangers, some real things that I deal with. But this has become a way for me to keep that exercise of my mind going, keep that exercise of my mental health as active as possible. And so I... I genuinely look to this hobby for that. I genuinely look to collecting cards for that. And again, I I said this earlier, but I I hope that you do too. I hope that when you are participating in this hobby, that it is something that is a genuine positive for you. 
I've seen a lot of people talk on Twitter, talk on Facebook, talk on Instagram, wherever it might be, about how this hobby sucks. This hobby isn't fun anymore. This hobby's dead. This hobby's dying. This hobby's whatever. There's a lot of negatives. There are a ton of negatives in this hobby. But if those negatives are becoming the crux of your hobby experience, maybe it's time to get out of this hobby. You know, especially if you use this in a way that I do for a mental health exercise, for a mental health therapeutical means. Try to get, try to get out of it then. Try not to be in here in this negative space if that's the way that the hobby is, is sort of treating you. Find your happiness within this hobby. Find your lane. Find your path to doing the things that you enjoy. And if you can't, continue to search for other things that, that can do that for you. Don't let a negative influence, especially something as silly as collecting cardboard, weigh on you way more than it has to. Listen, that was really a tangent that was very much off the cusp. You know, I decided I was going to talk about this. I did not lay out exactly what my plot was going to be. And that's probably super obvious based on the preceding, I don't know, five minutes of talking. But it was important to me. Um, you know, I'm not, again, I'm not trying to push that everything has been so hard for Shane Norton, a.k.a. the sports card, nobody these last couple months is because I got sick a few times. It's just, this is just real stuff that I was feeling, real stuff that I've been thinking, and real stuff that I thought would be appropriate to share here. And again, maybe it resonates with somebody. And if it does resonate with you, please feel free to reach out. You can find me at Sports Card Nobody on Instagram. I'm at Sport Card Nobody on Twitter. You know, I'm not even going to plug the rest of this stuff. I don't care if you like and subscribe. Those are out there so you can reach out and say hello at any time. Now, this last week, I haven't been able to respond to people the way that I normally try to. Um, some of my conversations have sort of died down because I hadn't been on my phone a ton, but nonetheless, you can always reach out to me if you want to talk cards or anything else. I am super happy to chat with each and every one of you. But all right, why don't we get back to more actual sports and sports cards talk and get out of that funk, I guess. Why don't we try to end this show on a little bit of a high? I am going to talk about a little bit of a uh, plug right now, actually. Um, so I'm going to be a little bit coy, but I want to put out there that I recorded this weekend an episode of a show with two of my favorite people in this hobby, and that is Cousin Oz and Cousin Tony. You might know them as the Cousins Collectibles podcast. Those dudes are awesome. They were on my show a while back. I was on their show before that, and both shows were incredibly fun. We've had a lot of conversations and become hobby friends since. We've talked about trying to get together for real in the future at some point. We did get to meet at the National, which was great back in uh, late July going into August there. Uh, so I formed a really nice relationship with these two dudes and we decided that we were going to try to do some extra stuff together. So I'm going to I'm going to keep this a little bit, you know, coy here, but we recorded something. It's coming out this Wednesday. You will start to see some promotion on that on our social medias real soon. You know, this is going to come out here on Monday night, Tuesday, so we're we're just a couple 
you know, 48 hours away from that dropping, which I'm pretty, pretty pumped for. I'm hoping that there's a, a really positive reception to it. It's our first time doing what we did together. We're going to see how it clicks and how it works. And maybe there's something there. It's my first foray into a, a different show. Um, it is going to be card related, but, but please stick around for, for follow-up announcements on that coming on both my socials, Sports Card Nobody, and the Cousin Collectible socials. It's going to be a, a lot of fun. I really am excited for you guys to, to hear what we, what we put together. But all right, you know what? Why don't we flow right into the next topic, and that's the top five. Like I said, in light of my illness, in light of all my struggles, I thought it would be fun to do top five gutsiest performances or uh, dumbest performances in the history of sports. Because listen, I'm going to stress this. If you are hurt, if you are sick, rest up and get healthy. Those are the two most important things that you can do. Nonetheless, on occasion... People do dumb stuff and they go out and they perform and do something that was looked at as entirely impossible and they put on a performance that becomes iconic and legendary. And for the next five, uh, next five on this list, that's what I want to celebrate or call dumb. Again, there's a fine line between brave and stupid. I don't know where that line is. These five athletes all found that line and put themselves in the echelons of hall of fames wherever let's just talk about it i'm wasting a lot of time and i'm losing track of my thought here but here it is my top five here in episode 45 returning back after uh being sick for a week top five greatest gutsiest slash dumbest performances in the history of sports here we go we're going to kick it off with number five this one just happened in june 5th hell in a cell Cody Rhodes showing up to main event Hell in a Cell with a torn pectoral muscle. News had broke like a week before whatever it was. He tore his pec while he was lifting and working out for this match. He ripped the the pec, I think, completely off the bone or whatever that injury even is. And everybody was wondering, what the the heck's going to happen then? How's he going to come out and do this match with Seth Rollins? Well, Seth Rollins enters the ring. He's wearing the uh, the Dusty Rhodes polka dot, you know, outfit to play mind games against uh, against Cody Rhodes. Cody comes out and he's wearing his Homelander style jacket. And when he took that jacket off, he revealed just the most gruesome bruise across his chest and across his arm. And just trying to imagine the pain that this guy was in is I pff, listen. I'll never be on that level. Never. Should Cody have been in this match? Probably not. You don't want to make yourself even more hurt than you already are. But nonetheless, the dude showed up. And listen, he actually put on a halfway decent match. Maybe I'm even selling short. I mean, people were talking about this as a five-star match. I'm trying to be objective. The performance, five-star. Tense, a hundred-star performance. Just the fact that he got himself into that ring, into that cell, and put on a match at all. Nonetheless, we got to give Seth Rollins a lot of credit too because of what he was able to do to help carry that match in light of the injury to Cody Rhodes. But you can't sell it short. Cody Rhodes showed up and he showed out and he put on a one of the most unforgettable main events in recent history. So Cody Rhodes, number five, top five gutsiest performances of all time. That brings us to number four. 
and we're going to talk about the greatest of all time, Michael Jordan's flu game, game five of the 1997 finals. The Bulls went into that game tied 2-2 against the Jazz, and somehow something happened. There's some questions. It's a little bit shady. Jordan got the flu. Did he get food poisoning? Was it something else? Whatever the case may be, Michael Jordan showed up to that game nauseous and sick and not right. He was not his normal self, and somehow dude managed to drop 38 in that game, including a massive three-pointer late that put the Bulls ahead for good. It was after that three-pointer, I think, that Scottie Pippen, that iconic moment where he's carrying Michael Jordan off like he's carrying a, a wounded a wounded um, ally on the battlefield. It was just iconic and etched another another indelible mark on the insane career of his airness. So number four, Michael Jordan's flu game in the in the 1997 finals as the uh, number four, the top five gutsiest performances of all time. And that brings us to number three, Homer pick. You know it. You had to know this one was on the list. Gibby, Kirk Gibson, game one of the 1988 World Series. Listen, Kirk Gibson injured both legs in the NLCS and was out of the lineup in game one. And he's like two busted knees. I, I think legend has it. He didn't have legs for this game. I don't know. It was something crazy like that. He was hurt. Whatever. Nonetheless, game uh, game was uh, tied going in with two outs in the bottom of the ninth. And in a shocking moment, Tommy Lasorda made the call to have Gibby come out and pinch hit against Dennis Eckersley, the, the feared and famed closer of the Oakland A's. The Dodgers were already massive underdogs headed into this. Now you've got injured Gibby up there against one of the greatest closers of all time, especially up to that point. Smacks a two-run home run. Walk off. One of the greatest calls in the history of the great Vin Scully. You know, in a year that has been so improbable, the impossible happened. And Kirk Gibson sent the Dodgers home on a walk-off, and they went on to win that World Series. And that is number three, the top five gutsiest performances of all time. And that brings me to number two, 2008, Torrey Pines, the U.S. Open, Tiger Woods. Tiger Woods was well on his way to the most legendary golfing career of all time at this point, and things really took a, a pretty brutal turn for Tiger, both personally and physically. You know, everything happened with with the wife and the scandal and all that stuff but you know beyond all that it seemed like every single week every single month there was another injury piling up he was having trouble staying out on the course and in this particular tournament his left knee was failing him and failing him badly you could see it every time he would take a shot every time he would swing and in ridiculous dramatic fashion he's able to win that 2008 U.S. Open, notching his uh, 14th major at the time. And sure enough, he wouldn't win another one until 2019. He'll never catch Jack Nicklaus at this point. But nonetheless, that win at Torrey Pines was insane. It was made even more insane when just days later, he had to get ACL surgery. I don't, I've bumped my knee on a table and been out of commission for like a month. I don't know how you need ACL surgery, have a completely busted knee, and go out there and play golf for a weekend and win a major tournament. It's ridiculous. Number two, greatest, gutsiest, dumbest, best performances of all time. And that brings me to number one. What could it be? Listen, 
really debatable. You can go a lot of different directions with this, and I don't care. You can let me know what you think later, but I went with the 1996 Olympics. I went with Carrie Strug. In this Olympics, the Russians and the Americans were locked into an insanely tight battle for the gymnastics gold. Carrie Strug had under-rotated, I think, on a vault earlier in the competition and badly, badly hurt her ankle. Sure enough, the Russians and the Americans were locked so tight that Carrie was asked to go back out there because if she could land her second vault attempt, if she could get a score, I forget what the score she needed, but whatever it was, if she could manage that, she would mathematically eliminate the Russians and secure gold for her home country. And somehow, unbelievably, she hobbles her way out onto the runway, runs her second vault, lands a damn near perfect landing. I don't know anything about gymnastics. It looked like a freaking 10. Maybe it was a 20 to me. Whatever it was, she lands on a busted ankle, as perfect as you can imagine, almost immediately collapses shortly after, gets the score that she needs, wins gold, and goes on to become one of the most iconic U.S. Olympians of all time. I Something about the idea that your ankle is broken and now you're going to launch into the air and do a triple Lutz axle backstroke butterfly, I don't know, and then land on that busted ankle and throw your hands in the air as like your ankle's not busted, I, I don't know. That has always, since I was a kid, struck out to me as one of the most insanely stupid, insanely courageous moments ever. So, Carrie Strug, congratulations. You've won Olympic gold, and now you have won the number one spot in the top five gutsiest slash dumbest slash whatever performances, according to Shane Norton, a.k.a. the sports card nobody. <laughs> yeah. Let's recap this quick because all five of these people really did something that's worth going back and paying some kind of homage to. Number five, Cody Rhodes, Hell in a Cell just this year in June. Number four, Michael Jordan in the uh, 1997 Finals Game 5, 1996 Olympics, landing a gold-winning vault on a busted ankle. Congratulations to you five insane athletes. And that's why we do this. Tell me you don't want a Kerry Strug card right now. Tell me you don't want to go out and get a Cody Rhodes card right now. Come on. This is stuff legends are made of. I will repeat. If you are hurt, stay home. Get healthy. Come back and live to fight another day. Or go be a legend, I guess. Because that's what these folks did. But what do you think? Did I miss anybody? Did I have these out of order? If you'd like to yell at me, I've already said it before, but you can find me at Sports Card Nobody on Instagram. You can find me at Sport Card Nobody on Twitter. Uh, you can leave a review. Tell me how bad my order was. Leave me a review and tell me how great it was. Just leave a review. Tell me how you were, what you think of the show. Losing track of my thought here because I'd love to hear it. Uh, and as always, if you're enjoying this, if you're enjoying anything I'm doing, please share this. Share this with friends. Share this with family. Share this with anybody you think might care about anything I have to say here as I talk about sports cards. And mental health, apparently. I don't know. This is a weird show because uh, I'm getting back on the horse. So here I am. As always, ladies and gentlemen, that's all I got on the show. Um, I really appreciate your patience. I really appreciate the fact that 
I didn't have people yelling at me this time, actually, that I missed last week's episode. But I promise I am aiming to be here each and every week when I can. And like I said, I've got something cooking, something that will be dropping on Wednesday. I will be promoting that. So if you are missing this obviously congested voice, there's going to be a lot more of it. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you. That's all I got. Have a great night.